Amen. The scripture reading today is 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, and I'm Pastor Jeff, one of the uh, pastors here on the team. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifested, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test and sort the work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone works, anyone's works is burned up, he will suffer loss, and though himself will be saved, but only through fire. Please be seated. All right, we're back in 1 Corinthians. As Jeff read uh, for us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can turn there in your copy of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. We'll be looking at this briefly here this morning. Let us pray and ask for God's help as we consider His Word. God, we thank You for Your Word, how You know our hearts, how Your Holy Spirit is able to apply the truth to our hearts and bring us to a place of conviction and repentance, how You are able to open our eyes to the glory of Your kingdom and the beauty of your redemption. And we pray, Lord, this morning, as we are in your word, you would give us hearts willing uh, to allow your spirit to make us more like your son Jesus through faith. And it's in his name we pray, amen. The title of the message today is Things Church People Should Consider. Things Church People Should Consider. And uh, so now you're immediately evaluating that statement. You have to make a couple of decisions as I read a statement like that. First of all, you have to decide, are you a church people? And I don't know. Uh, that's kind of up to you. You found yourself in church on New Year's Eve. I kind of would argue that either you're a church people or you're planning on having a night tonight and you feel like you want to get ahead of that with some good deeds or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's between you and the Lord. Um, church people. Biblically, if you're a believer, you're in the body of Christ, you are a member of the body of Christ, the church. And then, of course, the body of Christ expresses itself in many different places. And so in this particular place, we have a, a church here. And so church people are those who are in the body of Christ. But more than that, I want us to think about who Paul is talking to here by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is specific people, people who say, you know what, I want to I be a part of what God is doing through his body, the church. I want to... I think that's the place as a believer I should be uh, experiencing my life in Christ. And, and what he does here for us in these brief passages is say, well, if you want your life in Christ to be found in the church, which frankly you should, here's a couple of things you want to think about, a couple of things to consider. Uh, a little over a year ago, uh, some of us from the church here, we went over to uh, Israel. We're not going to talk about Israel at length, just about the trip for a minute. Uh, as we were planning for the trip, the people who were helping us organize the trip, they were constantly reminding us of this as we prepared to head over to Israel. They said, that this is not a vacation. You will be walking two to three miles a day. 
Yeah, this is going to be hard work. We're going to be walking and we're going to be looking and learning. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. But if you think this is like a vacation where you fly somewhere and sit by a pool most of the day drinking beverages with umbrellas in them, this is not what we're doing. We're going to go and we're going to walk and we're going to look and we're going to see. So it's not a vacation. So what you expect when you're going somewhere has a lot to do with what you, uh, what you experience when you get there. If you expect one thing... If you expect in traveling to Israel a vacation and you get there and you walk three miles a day, you might say, you know what, this is not what I signed up for. And when we get there, if you said that, we would have said, yes, it is. Get walking. Here we go. So if you expect one thing and you get another, things seem off. It seems weird. It's like, this isn't what I thought this was going to be. And what Paul wants us to do is look at what God is doing in the body of Christ and if we're saying, this isn't what I thought the church was going to be, this, is what I, this isn't what I thought being a part of the body of Christ is gonna, was going to be, it might have to do with what we expected. And he wants us to think about what God is doing in the body of Christ uh, and, and our part in it. So the things church people should consider. I like to keep it simple. I got two things. Can you handle two things? If you can only handle one, then pick one and write it down, I guess. I don't know. That's on you. <laughs> the first thing church people should consider, how we build. How we build. It's right there in verse 10. Right at the end, last sentence. Let each one take care how he builds. That's the Bible telling the individual, us as individuals within the body of Christ, take care. Be careful. Pay attention. You need to pay attention to how you build. And, and we, we know this is true when we think of building. There's a, a building down in San Francisco. It's called the Millennium Tower. If you Google it, you will see all the articles about how the Millennium Tower is tilted. Now, whenever you build a giant skyscraper, they anticipate a certain amount of settling. The engineers calculate how much it will settle. This particular tower settled a lot more, a lot faster, and not evenly. And so you don't put eggs on your counter if you live in the Millennium Tower, especially near the top. They will roll off because it's become, it became tilted. And they had to come up with this great design. They had to drive pilings down into the bedrock after the building is built, after people are already living in it, to try and get it to level out. And what was the problem? The problem is the foundation they devised for this building wasn't appropriate for the building they put on top of that foundation. <laughs> And this is what the Apostle Paul is going to say. He's going to say, if you're going to build a building and you want to take care how you build, we have to understand this. The building has to match the foundation. The building has to match the foundation. If you build a giant millennium tower on a foundation that doesn't go to the bedrock, that building is going to tilt. And Paul is going to use this building metaphor to tell us, if we're in the body of Christ and we want to take care how we build, the way we do that is recognize what we build and how we build has to match the foundation. The work of God through his people has to be consistent with the work of God to redeem his people. The work of the church is the result of God saving us, and so the work of the church is God saving. The foundation is the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ that he saves sinners, so therefore the building that is built has to be a building that communicates and abides in the truth that Jesus saves 
sinners. Look at verse 10 with me again. According to the grace of God given to me, this is Paul speaking, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Paul, first of all, says that his ministry for God in the gospel was a ministry that God gave to him that he did not deserve. He considered the ministry God gave to him an act of God's grace. God gave the Apostle Paul, and frankly, each individual in the body of Christ, an opportunity to serve in God's kingdom, and, and that opportunity is an act of God's grace. He doesn't need our help, right? We realize this. God isn't running out of thing, running out of time, and he needs people to scramble for him. It was an act of God's grace that he called Paul into the ministry of the gospel. But Paul was very careful with how he built. He said, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. So he is very particular with the ministry that God called him to. There's lots of different kinds of builders, and if you've had people work in your home, you realize that. There is builders, and their uh, a view of how to get a job done is the quickest, easiest, cheapest way to get the job done, which means next year you will do it again. Then you have good builders, which they will say there's a right way to do it and a slightly better way to do it, and, but I'm not that good at it, so I know there's a good way to do it, um, so I'm going to give a good, so a good college try. So they're not useless, but they're adequate. Then you have a master builder. A master builder knows the right way to, that a thing ought to be done and has the skill to do it the right way. And in a master builder's minds, there is the right way to do it and all of the other ways are wrong. And if you've worked with these kind of builders, you know what I'm talking about. And, and Paul is saying he is a master builder very particular about the work that God was doing through him for the people in Corinth. And what was Paul's ministry to the people of Corinth? It's Acts chapter 18. He went to them, met them, shared the gospel with them, and many of them got saved. So he laid the foundation of this church. The foundation of this church was individuals in the city of Corinth recognizing they need forgiveness of sin and trusting Jesus to become Believers, And this is the foundation of the church. The church is God saving sinners out of death, out of, out of judgment, and into righteousness and in life because of the work of Christ in their life. So this is, this is the work that, that Paul did. Earlier in this chapter, he compares himself to a guy named Apollos. He says, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. That's his way of saying, I went in and, and I started the church by God's grace by sharing the gospel and people got saved and Apollos came in later and he nurtured this uh, young church. But what Paul is gonna argue is the beginning of the church is sinners saying, I need Jesus. That's the foundation. So what kind of building do you build on a gospel foundation? And the answer is, according to Paul, a gospel building. We don't start with one kind of foundation and then build a different kind of building because what happens then is it doesn't work. The building doesn't work. Paul worked, Paul worked to establish the foundation of the gospel in this church and now he's telling the people in the church, look at the end of verse 10, so take care how you build on it. He's saying to each individual in the body of Christ, if you're gonna be a part of building the body of Christ, you need to be mindful of what you build because what you build should be consistent with the foundation that has already been laid out. Let's look at verse 11. 
No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is Jesus himself. So the, the ministry and work of the body of believers must be Jesus and his gospel. If you change the foundation, you change the building. So I don't know how to say it nicely, so I won't. If you change the foundation of the church and it's no longer Jesus and the gospel, it's just simply not a church anymore. It's another thing. It's, I don't know what you might call it, the Elks Lodge. <laughs> Whatever it might be, a group of people who have some sense of commonality getting together to argue or talk or have meals or whatever it might be. But if you remove the foundation of the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ, you still have a group of people getting together, but you don't have a church. Because he says you can't change the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. If you change the foundation of what the church is built on, you change the building. No gospel, no church. Right. Long story short. I don't know. You say, well, we could have really covered this much more briefly. <laughs> no gospel, no church. And he said, well, well, we share the gospel with lost people. And, you know, I think we should do that. But I think also believers need to have the gospel told to them, right? This is my assumption. Now, I'm not judging you. Well, I am a little. Um, um, so think about the people who couldn't be here today. That's always a nice way. Do you think any of them sinned this week? Right, maybe some of us here too. I mean, it was Christmas week. We hung around with family we only see at Christmas, right? Yeah, some sinning happened this week. <laughs> and um, so do you need the gospel told to you again to remind you Jesus still loves you? Yeah, we do. We need to be reminded of that because we're forgetful of it. We forget. In fact, the Bible knows we're so forgetful. The Bible tells us to take communion, to be reminded of the good news of gospel on a regular basis. And so we get together and we remind one another of the gospel. We encourage one another in the truth that Jesus saves sinners. We tell each other and remind each other that our identity is in Christ, not in the things of this world. And this is the work of the church. And he says to us, be mindful how you build. Take care. Make sure the work that you do for the kingdom of God is gospel Jesus kind of work. Look at verses 12 and 13. If anyone builds on the foundation, what's the gospel? Or what's the foundation? I gave the answer. It's the gospel, Jesus. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. It'll be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So he gives us a little illustration here of what he's talking about. He's saying, do you want your building to last? Generally, if you're going to build a building, you want it to last as long as, as possible. And what he is saying here, when we think about the building we're going to participate in, what are we doing in the body of Christ, we should be thinking, do we want something that will last? And, and if you're going to do something, you generally want it to last. And then, so what you want to ask yourself is, well, how long do I want it to last? If you build something with wood, will it last? Well, sure, well, wood, it doesn't immediately burn up. You get it for a certain period of time. All of these elements last a certain period of time, but some of these things last longer. The, the precious metals here are things that will endure greater degrees of 
difficulty than the, the lesser materials such as the wood, hay, and straw. And so what he's saying is there is a point of accountability for each person. So he starts kind of easy. Take care how you build. And each of us sort of say, you know what? He's right. You know, he is absolutely right. I should take care how I build. I should be mindful of whether or not I'm building on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ as I participate in the ministry of the local church. You know what, especially on New Year's Eve, it's a great thing to think about. I'm gonna take care of how I build in 2024. And then Paul comes in, oh, and by the way, there's some accountability associated with this. And we immediately go, I'm sorry, what? None of us like accountability. But he says there's some accountability. There is a day coming. That's, in fact, he calls it what? He calls it the day. So there's a day coming when our little building project is going to be tested. And he uses this illustration. It's going to get lit on fire. And everything that was built consistent with the foundation will endure. Anything built inconsistent with the foundation is flammable. Wood, hay, and straw. That's all he's saying. And it will not endure. And so if you want to build a building that lasts into eternity, he's saying then you need to be, have your work, have how you build, take care how you build, that it endures, that it, that it keeps going. Each one's work will be made manifest for the day will disclose it. The fire, because of the fire, some things last, wood, or the, the precious metals, and some things don't. The wood, hay, and straw. The work of the gospel the work of the gospel in the body of believers lasts forever. All the other stuff may be temporary. What is the stuff that matters? Uh, I thought I would read a passage, Acts 2. This is a passage you're familiar with, Acts 2.42. Some of this stuff, some of this stuff. Uh, this is not up on the screen. You may have to actually turn in your own Bible. What? It's ridiculous. Acts 2.42. A bunch of people got saved and they devoted themselves. Here's four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. So here's four, you say, well, what are these things? How can I take care of how I build? Number one, be devoted to the teaching of Scripture. Be devoted to the Bible, knowing the Bible, knowing Jesus through your Bible. Be devoted to fellowship. This is a connection with other believers that's intended to support one another in our relationship with God. The breaking of bread and praying. This is fellowshipping together with the intention of sharing one another's needs and also praying for one another. These are things which are lasting. Now, in order to pray for somebody, you have to know what's going on in their life. So some, in order, if you're going to pray for somebody, they have to tell you that they need you to pray for them. And in order for them to tell you that you, they want you to pray for them, they have to trust that, you, number one, you, you actually will pray for them. And secondly, that they could share a prayer request that is actually meaningful. Now, I'm not saying all prayer requests aren't meaningful. Everybody has a, um, illness and, and all kinds of things that we want to be prayed for. I don't know how to, here we go. Have you ever considered coming to church? Well, you're here, so you got that part done, check. And say, so, you know what, I want to meet somebody there today. I've got this, this sin I'm struggling with, and I, can't, I just can't seem to beat it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find somebody there that I can share that with, that they might pray for me that God would help me overcome that sin. Have you ever thought of coming to church and doing that? Absolutely not, none of us. 
we wouldn't be here. If God put that into our head, well, oh, I'm sick. I better not, better not go down there. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Well, among many other things. It's to, to, to share things. You know, the, the things you pray about at night when you're trying to sleep but you can't sleep. Have we ever considered that we should tell people at church to also pray for us for that regard? And, and we say, well, I couldn't, I couldn't tell them what's going on. Have you ever thought that? Why? What is wrong with us that we can't tell each other that kind of thing? What is wrong with the church that, why, that a person can't come to church and say, I need help with this, please pray for me? What have we done that have structured the body of believers in such a way that we come to church to act like we don't need prayer? Isn't that weird? Something happened. The whole idea is a bunch of people come down and say, the reason we showed up here is because I'm not okay. And that's the foundation of the gospel. The gospel says, I'm not okay, that's why I need Jesus. And then we come together and say, we all are on this foundation, we all need Jesus, and it, that opens us up in freedom to be able to say, yeah, I need prayer, and I need it in this way. It's always easy to ask people how to pray for them, especially in church. That's expected, and that seems kind of spiritual. What's really, really hard is to go up to a friend in church and say, I need you to pray for me this week, and I need to know you're going to do it. If you're not going to do it, let me know. I'll ask somebody else, because I need prayer in this area. And that's one of the ways that we build on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, sharing the good news of the gospel with us. The Apostle Paul wants this church to take care how we build, to make sure the work we do in the body of Christ is gospel-oriented, Jesus-oriented. We can't just do anything and call it church. We have to do the work of God through the gospel. The Proverbs help us in how we think about this because some of us are resisting this a little bit. Uh, Proverbs 5, 1 and 2 says this. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. So the, the author of the proverb here, Solomon, is telling his son, son, I've been down this road and I'm gonna try and help you think straight. First thing, guard what you say. Now, I know any, any of the parents here, you have told your children this before. You should watch what you say. And if your kids are, are smart mouth like I was, we say, you first, Dad. <laughs> and, and we say this. Why do we say this? Because we've, done, we've made some mistakes. And so the, 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 the proverb here is designed to tell somebody who hasn't lived life long enough yet what they ought to do. You ought to guard your lips. Lemuel picks it up in Proverbs 31. To his son, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? And then in verse eight, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So this king Lemuel is telling his son, here's what you need to do, son, as king. And what does he tell him he needs to do? Watch out for the poor. Why does he have to tell him to watch out for the poor? Because most kings are going to watch out for who? The king. Okay, what's the point? Paul is trying to do the same thing for us. Listen, I know what's normal in churches. Paul had been a part of religious communities his entire life. And he's just simply trying to tell us, take care how you build. Your default reaction 
is to just create another social encounter that you enjoy each week. Your, your default reaction is just to try and create another power structure where people get together and try and exert their influence into a local community. Your temptation in, in, in coming together is try to establish some kind of social structure where we evaluate who's, who's cool and who's not cool, who's good and, and who's not good. And, and Paul knows these are normal things when people get together. And he's saying, I've been down a patch of road before, just like... The king is telling his son, watch what you do. And so Paul is telling us as a church, pay attention, take care how you build because if you do what's normal, you will build poorly. It takes, it takes a, a intentional effort and focus to say, I want my life to be toward and involved in the ministry of the gospel in the local body of believers. We want to do what carries into eternity the honor of Christ and his gospel is the first importance. Things that church people should consider how we build. Is the work we're doing as a local body of believers and each of us as individuals a work of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus or is it some other thing? And we need to take care that our work in Christ is gospel oriented. Good news, the work that lasts matters, but it's also rewarded. So, things people should consider. What's the first one? How we build. Got that? Second one, we should consider our future reward. Consider our future reward. I want to look at another passage of Scripture, if you don't mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. Are you aware this is how it works? I have to make sure you're aware of this is how it works, because this is not universally believed. I'm trying to be good. Do you not know all the, who gets the prize? Anybody know how races work? First one. First one across the line, they, they're the winner. Second place, first loser. <laughs> that's the way it rolls. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's good. You did better in third, but you know, that's, that's competition. How did, do you know all runners run, only one receives their prize? So run that you might get it. Isn't that crazy? Run that you might obtain it. Every athlete ex exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, believers, we are seeking an imperishable wreath. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul says, I'm a master builder. I built a foundation of the gospel, and now I'm going to build a, a life of ministry that's Jesus and gospel-oriented to others in the body of believers, and I want, to, I want to do it with intention. I want to have a goal in mind, Paul is saying. I want to have victory, and I want to gain reward. And so what he says here is that requires discipline, it requires intention, it requires purpose, it requires a mind leaning into what is my mission and it's a mind that says, I know what my mission is in the Lord and not only do I know my mission, I want to achieve reward. 
I want to run as though I want to win this race. Jesus' humble ministry, Jesus' ministry to uh, become fully human, live a perfect life in this world through suffering, die on the cross, his humble service to us looked forward to future glory. So he was raised from the dead, exalted, and his name is above every name. And what, what we do as people who want to be uh, part of the body of Christ, we want to have the same kind of mindset. This is a life of humble service, patient endurance through suffering, but we don't do it for nothing. We anticipate future glory and future reward with our King Jesus. Okay, go back to 1 Corinthians 3.13. Let's look at it again. First Corinthians 3, 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will dis disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. So if you live your life with your life oriented towards the gospel of Jesus within the body of Christ, you build with lasting kinds of stuff. Fire tests the work that God has done through you by his grace. And that work is established as permanent when that work is, a, is the work of the gospel in the body of Christ. And every single person in the body of Christ has a role. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And this isn't a complicated illustration. He's simply saying your body has lots of parts. Agreed? You've got fingers and ears and noses and uh, big toes. Lots of parts. But it's all one body. In one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. All were made to drink of the same spirit. So what he's saying is we are the body of Christ and each one of us has a particular role to play in the body of Christ. Has a particular thing that God has called us to by our gifting. Everyone is called to build lasting, gospel-oriented stuff. And each person does it differently based on the gifts that God has given them. Everyone builds. Everybody in the body of Christ is contributing to what God is doing through the body of Christ. Here's the ways you might be contributing. You might be building lasting, eternal, gospel-oriented stuff in the body of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. You might be building temporary, useless stuff in the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Some of us are doing that, building stuff that will be burned up. If you don't like what I'm saying, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, so simmer down. <laughs> Others of us are building nothing, absolutely nothing. But I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but that's what we're doing. We're building absolutely nothing. Those are what we're doing. He says, and what Paul is saying is, a, is the way he thinks about his Christian life, he thinks about his Christian life the way a runner approaches a race. So why would I join a race not to run? And if I'm going to run, I don't want a participation trophy. I want a reward. I want to run and endure suffering and humble service and the difficulties of this life to cross a finish line into Christ's glory. There's a reward he anticipates, and that's how he wants to run. Our goal as Christians 
is that the life God has given us results in a building that endures the test on that day. That's the goal of the believer. That when the day comes, that which God has done through us endures and we experience reward. Look at verse Corinthians 3.15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. How do you get to heaven? By grace. Faith in Jesus. Do you have to work to get to heaven? These are easy answers. I mean, you're answering inside, right? Are we doing that? Okay. Trust Jesus. That's it. Trust Jesus. After you get saved, you have to stop sinning. You should, but you won't. I don't know how to say that nice. You should. You get saved, you should not sin anymore. And you're going to. But you shouldn't. But you will. I don't, to, I don't know how that works, but that's how it is. So you don't have to work to get to heaven. So that's not what it's saying here. But some of us will get saved and do nothing. Some of us will get saved and do lots of stuff that are useless. And that's what he's saying here. A day is going to explode. We're going to get there and realize we were running a race, but not this race. And it's going to get burned up. He is not saying you won't get into heaven, but he is saying that as we go into glory, we will have a recognition of what could have been. So here's how I want to say it, and we're going to get into a bunch of verses. We have just started. This is, you said, this is a New Year's message. No, this is a New Year's Day message because it's going to be finished in 2024. <laughs> um, everybody in heaven is going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Nobody's going to be disappointed in heaven. Not everybody's experience of heaven will be the same. That's what he's saying here. Some are going to go in with one kind of reward. Others are going to go in with another kind of reward. Others are going to jump through the flames. All he's saying is think about what you want there to be. Don't think about what you want Friday to be. That's too short a term thinking. I want to think how does eternity look? And I want to build my life so that my reward there is, is, is as big as possible because reward there never ends. Those who prefer other things in the body of Christ, other than the gospel, looking smart, having power and influence, having a show of religiosity, having a sense of reputation, having a sense of, of belonging that I matter someplace, things other than what is Jesus, how does Jesus transform my heart and how do I serve the gospel to others, that work won't last. Reputations fade. Wisdom and intelligence fades. Power and influence goes away. But reward in the gospel never ends. Let me get, give you a couple of verses about that day, and then we'll close up with a couple of thoughts. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Some of these are going to be on the screen. Second Corinthians 5.10. He is talking to believers. If you look at verse 9, he says, whether we're home or away, we put our, make it our aim to please Jesus. Verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who appears before the judgment seat of Christ? All the, all the Christians. So each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. I don't have much to say about that. That day's coming. If you believe in your Bible, that day's coming. 
And what you ought to do, if you like to think forward, say, you know, I want that day to be as good a day as possible. And all Paul is telling is, so let's think about how we live our lives. Are we going to build something temporary? Are we going to build something permanent? We all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We have a conversation. This is not questions whether or not you're getting into heaven. You're, hey, come on into heaven. Hey, before you go in, let's have a conversation about how life went. Really? And we're going to have a conversation, and it's going to be filled with the love and grace of Christ, but nonetheless, it's going to be a, an opportunity for us to debrief with Jesus, our Savior, about whether or not our life was focused on building his kingdom, which is permanent, or our own kingdom, which is easily burned up. 1 John 2.28, John, the apostle of Jesus, saying this, he's an old man by this time. And now, little children, he was an old man, he can call anybody little children he wants. Abide in him, that is Jesus, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So here's John talking to believers saying, listen, live your life in such a way that when Jesus shows up, you're excited. Live your life in such a way that when Jesus shows up, you're like, come on, let's do this. He's calling us, anticipating that day to say, don't live your life in such a way that you say, well, gee, I hope he doesn't come today. I've got to get some things in order. John challenges us here to live our life with the accountability that is one day standing before Jesus. It's not up on the screen, but in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, you can read it at your leisure. Jesus tells a parable about a nobleman and he gives his servants minas, some money. And he says this to one of his servants, calls him to, uh, to, to, be, uh, to have accountability for what he did with, the Lord, with uh, his money. He says, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. Your mina has made 10 minas more. That's hard to say. He said to him, well done, good and servant, faithful servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over 10 cities. Here's what we're getting at about our future conversation with the Lord. Number one, well, we have an opportunity to experience reward. We have an opportunity to know what it's like to experience accountability because we know one day we're going to answer him. However, we have to also recognize that our experience in eternity, that glory has something to do with how he has made us to help him and to be a part of him ruling and reigning over his kingdom. A part of this reward that he will be giving is, is authority and responsibility in the kingdom of God. And that's what he is illustrating here in this, this parable. Only six more passages, uh, actually just two more. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. Six verses 2 through 3. Believers in the church were suing each other. We'll get to it in a couple of months. He says this to him, Do you not know the saints will judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you so incompetent to try trivial cases, that is, cases within the midst of the church? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? He's giving us just a glimpse into what's, what is to come. He's saying we have a future that we can anticipate reward. Yet we have a future where we can anticipate being granted authority and responsibility. And we have a future where we join him in ruling and reigning and even meeting out justice and judgment. These are all things. That, why do I bring this all up? If you thought heaven was sitting on clouds playing harps, that's not going to be happening. 
This is where we finally get to live out in God's creation the glory that he gave us being made in his image. And what you need to be thinking about, knowing the, the fantastic thing God has in store for us is this today. What are we gonna do to build on the foundation of the gospel to maximize our experience then? It's too short term to merely think of this life on its own. Let me just read again Paul's charge to us in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, only one receives the prize? Run that you may obtain it. Take care how you build. Think of your future reward and run to obtain the prize. A couple of questions just to leave you with before you go celebrate the new year. What are you building in your life? You probably can answer that question relatively quickly. What are you building in your life? Reputation, career, family, education, fun, leisure, these are all good stuff. But if that's the whole building of your life, it's temporary. The Bible calls us to think about what am I building? And is, is my life building Jesus' kingdom or is my life building, building my kingdom? If I'm building my kingdom, it'll last for a little while, but it's not gonna last forever. All he's asking us to think about is what am I building with my life? Is it my kingdom or his kingdom? Now, some of us get a little bit worried. Well, does that mean I need to throw away my life to build his kingdom? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. We just have to think about our life a little bit differently. Number one, maybe we're not the most important part of our life. Maybe Jesus is. But maybe you can ask it this way. How can my life, the way God has constructed it, what God has led me into, how can my life, the way it is, become less oriented towards me and more oriented towards the kingdom? The skills he has given me, the education he has given me, the relationships he has given me, the, the places where I have connection. How can I take those things which I've fostered to benefit me and instead think, well, how do I foster these things God has given me to think about benefiting and glorifying the kingdom and the gospel? But that means we have to answer this question when we think about 1 Corinthians 12. What is your part in building Christ's church? What part are you in the body of Christ? And if you are a believer, you are a part. And if you are a part and you are doing nothing, the body is hampered. So what is your part to build the body of Christ on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What part do you have to play? You might ask yourself this, if, if, if you're not sure, if you're doing your part, we might wonder, why not? That's a question I ask, well, why not? And the answer is very, very simple, because I know how grown-ups work, because I'm almost one. <laughs> I'm going to give you deep insight into the human condition. People do what they want. Don't we? People do what they want. And if you're not doing your part in the body of Christ, it's really, really simple why you don't want to. And if you don't want to, 
That's something between you and the Lord to work out. Why not? And usually it's because it doesn't pay off the way we want it to. But we've just learned it doesn't pay off here. It pays off there. What is the part we have to play? Okay, last one. Then we're done. I promise. We've talked a lot about building up the church in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I want it just very quickly before we close. Also, are you making sure that you don't tear down the building? Here's some ways that we tear down the building of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the local body of believers especially. Unforgiveness. The entire foundation is built on the gospel which is predicated on Christ's forgiveness. And then what we do is we hold on to resentment and unforgiveness which is the opposite of the foundation. And it tears down the body. Jealousy and envy of others tears down the body. Gossip tears down the body. It's still gossip if you start with, let me tell you how to pray for, it's still gossip. How do you know if it's gossip? If you're talking and they're not there and you don't want them to be. That's gossip. If you start the sentence with, I don't know why we're on this one, Jason, sorry. If you start the sentence with, I know I probably shouldn't tell you, but I think you ought to know. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. How, what's one of the ways, now that we're on to this, what's one of the ways you can build up the body of Christ? When you hear gossip, have it die with you. Take that little morsel and tuck it away. And if you really want to put on the big boy pants, tell the person who's talking to you, that's gossip, you should stop. And just tell them. And if they get mad, don't worry, they're going to tell someone else how rude you were to them. <laughs> Gossip's gossip. Don't gossip. Pride destroys the body of Christ. When we think the church ought to be about me, what I want, what I need, what I expect, that tears down the body. Are we making sure we don't tear down the building? When we make the church about us and our, and our expectations and our wants and our desires and our hopes and dreams, we build with temporary materials that gets burned up. What are you building with your life? What's your part in building the church of Jesus Christ? And are you making sure not to tear it down? Things church people should consider. Jesus, we thank you for the grace you have given us, that you have called us into relationship through your work on the cross, your power over death. But even more than that, God, you have called us to have a life of purpose and meaning. A life that goes beyond our mere existence. But instead, God, we have the opportunity to join you on your mission to see people redeemed out of sin and death. And you give us the opportunity, God, to, to invest in the lives of others. To encourage and strengthen fellow believers. To forgive and not hold on to resentments. To to show as much grace to others as we have received from you. So God, we would pray as we think about what this next year might hold. Our prayer would be, God, is this is a year of building with permanent materials. That our life is about our participation in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for saving people like us and we can't wait till you come back. We pray this in your name.
Amen. Why don't you stand up as we close with a song?